Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Jesus Lead Pastor, Jesus Certified, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on October 8th, 2017. How are we doing? All right, I want to just start by saying grab your Bibles. And if you don't have your Bible, go ahead. You can grab one underneath a chair. You can use your iPhone, your iPad, and we'll trust the fact that you're not on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, okay? <laughs> Good deal. Well, this morning, I, I want to ask you a, a very serious question. Um, it is a very tough question, and it simply is, is why, why do we suffer? What, why is there suffering in our world? Y- you know, it, it's, it's such a... Especially with everything that's going on around us, with all the recent tragedies, all the the turmoil in our world, it's just one of those things that I think is probably at the forefront of all of our minds. As we see people on the street, homeless, as we we see family members going through really tough moments, as as we look at the TV and we watch the world just seem to kind of crumble in front of us. Why do we suffer? Why is there suffering? You know, it, it's, just, it's just no real easy answer, is there? You know, we, we'd love to just, you know, have a, a two-sentence two paragraph that would just kind of solve the problems of our world and, and just really help us to wrestle through this aspect of dealing with all that, that we deal with in this lifetime. But what I want you to do is I I want you to look at this picture on the screen. It's a tough picture to look at because when we look at this picture, we see a man that is suffering, that has suffered for you and I. We see the reality of what it means to, to do something very specific on behalf of somebody else. You know, the image that we see... Uh, um, it brings and in, in, in wrestles emotions inside of us. It wrestles up emotions inside of us. And, and it gives us and it brings us to a place of where we kind of question and seek answers to understand why we suffer and what suffering is for. And I think maybe that we could make the, the question a little easier by just asking God. You know, turning our hearts and turning our minds and, and seeking God, seeking after the why in God and asking ourselves or asking God, you know, what are you doing in the midst of this suffering? Help us to understand and know what is going on and why these things kind of have to happen. Because we know that, that the cross of Jesus Christ what Jesus did for you and I, we, we know that it had to happen. See, in our, our passage today, we're going to kind of discover and look at some, some understanding, hopefully, of, of why we suffer, why Jesus suffered, and some of the things that, that kind of had to transpire over time, and what Jesus had to do to fulfill and be obedient to a purpose and a plan and to suffer for the sake of mankind so that others, so that you and I, so that we, so our children, so that our neighbors, so that our family could know what it means to be at peace 
in God, to be at peace in Christ, even when the storms rage all around us. See, I think what we can do is we can start by knowing and trusting that no matter what we deal with, no matter the suffering that we face, no matter the tribulation or the turmoil in the world around us or in our own lives, that we can trust that there is always a purpose. And God set into motion a plan for each and every one of us. See, even Jesus himself, he tells us that he came with a purpose. He says, I had to come and I have to die. And I will be resurrected because God has a plan. See, this morning, my hope is as we look at these passages is that you and I, that we, we would understand that we are the purpose. We are the plan. That God had you in mind. He had Floyd in mind when he set into motion this suffering. Jesus says it himself in John 16, 33. He says, I have said all of these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, there's, there's a lot to those few sentences there. Those are some sentences that you and I can use to help us understand in the moments that we, we have tribulation, when we go through suffering. Jesus says, I have given you all of this. I've shown you all of this. I have done all of this so that in me you may find peace. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? To think that someone suffered Someone went through so much so that we can have peace. But we can also understand in this world and in our lifetime and today and tomorrow and the days to come that we're going to face many troubles. The world is going to get tougher. Things are going to get uglier. Life is going to get harder. But yet, even though it does, we can remember and rest in the fact that Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, has overcome. See, that's just what Jesus did. He proclaimed to be the Messiah. And last week we touched a little bit. We looked at Hebrews chapter 1 and, and discovered that Jesus is the Messiah. Whether we believe it or not, Jesus is the one, the anointed one that God sent to save, to redeem, to restore mankind to himself. See, and he says, if, if we want peace... We can only find it in him. He is the only one that can give us that peace. See, his claim is so amazing. It's so mind-blowing that we can either just put him in one of two categories. Either he is the Messiah or he's just simply a crazy man telling us some crazy things. See, but I can't decide that for you. You have to make that decision. You have to do the homework. You have to go on the journey to discover and certify Jesus as the Messiah because God has already done that. God has certified Jesus as our Messiah. He has affirmed him in who he is. And as we look at these passages this morning in Hebrews chapter 5, we see and begin to understand why God certified Jesus and what he did through this man we call Jesus. 
And it's a beautiful picture of grace and mercy and understanding that Jesus, Jesus rules. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I, I know that, that as we come into your presence, that many of us, many of us are suffering right now. Lord, Lord, we have relational issues. We have personal issues. Lord, we, we see the world around us and our heart breaks because there are so many people hurting, whether it be relationally, whether it be health, in health, whether it be just because they've made some poor decisions or some bad mistakes. Lord, so as we come into your presence, Father, we would ask that, that you would give us peace through your son, Jesus Christ, that you would remind us and that you would affirm to us the aspect and the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that you sent him so that we could have hope. You certified him as our savior, as our redeemer. Because you saw that we needed your love and your grace. And that comes through Jesus and so my prayer this morning, Father, for us, for every person that's here, is that we would lean on that, that we would seek to discover that, and we would own that faith, and that we would put our trust in you. Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would penetrate our heart, that it would pierce us, and Lord, that it would change us. And Lord, we would go away from here a changed people, so excited, so on fire, so renewed, so refreshed that we couldn't help but share it with the world around us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we look to you. And we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Hebrews chapter 5, I'd like to look at the, the first 10 verses of this chapter together. And, and so let's start there in verse 1, and let's read this together. It says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. See, everything that we hear Jesus say in the Gospels, everything that we learn from God's word from beginning to end, it affirms Jesus' claim to be the high priest, to be the Messiah, the God that is with us. 
See, Jesus has proven himself to be who he claims to be. See, and there are a few things here that we can use to understand better why Jesus is certified, how God affirmed him to rule. See, the first thing that we see is that that Jesus had to become man. In verse 1, it says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer, offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. See, the, the Bible is clear. People understood that in the beginning of time, since in the Old Testament, what happened was, is that we all sinned. People sinned. Even the priests were sinners. But someone somehow had to pay a price. They had to offer a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. It was a requirement by God. As a redemption, as a washing of a fulfillment. And so these high priests would go into the holiest of holies. And on behalf of the people, on behalf of themselves, they would offer a sacrifice. See, people understood this. They understood the word of God. And they knew that there would be one that would come. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Savior, the one that would come to redeem them and restore them and pay the ultimate price so that they could be restored, they could be freed from their bondage. Not just from slavery, but from the slavery of sin. The bondage of sin. See in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. And then in Jeremiah 23 5 it says, Behold the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. See, what happened here is that Jesus became a man so that we could understand and know that he loves and understands where we are right now. See, he can deal with us in a way because he knows and he can relate to our suffering He knows the emotions that we deal with. He understands the pain. And he realizes that this life, this life is hard. People are hard. See, Jesus is that great high priest. He's been appointed by God to offer himself for our sins. So he had to become a man. He did it for you and I. See, Jesus, we know, was from the beginning and he will be to the end. But there was a point in time when God said, I need to give my son, I need to send him, born a virgin, born of flesh, to do some very specific things, to fulfill a purpose and a plan. And in that plan, we see that Jesus also, he had to be compassionate. If you look at verse 2, it says, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. And just so you know, that's you and I. (laughs) I know it's hard to hear, but that's you and I. See, the word ignorant isn't a bad word. It's actually a really good word to use to describe some of the things 
that we do, of some of the things that we are. In this lifetime, we won't know everything that we need to know. Not until we get to heaven will we truly understand everything. Will we truly understand the great purpose, the great plan that God had from creation to the end of time. But until then, you and I are ignorant and sometimes we go wayward. And because of that, he himself, Jesus, came in weakness. See, he did this because I think that it helped him to be compassionate. It helped him to understand. Have you ever heard uh, the statement that, uh, you know, people don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care, right? Well, for most of us in this room, the moment that we, we realized that we needed a Savior was the moment that we realized how great God cares for us. How deep and magnifying his love is for you and I. See, for me, that moment came via an individual that wasn't living for Jesus. It came at a moment when I had a gun pointed to my head. And this individual, all he could say was, I don't care whether you live or die. I don't care whether you live or die. And I want to tell you this morning, if you don't know it, if you don't hear it, if you don't think it and you're suffering in those tough moments, that's the devil whispering in your ear saying, I don't care whether you live or die. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus cares. See, I, I left that moment in my life, that, that, those few seconds of hearing that voice in my ear resonating and repeating. I left that moment driving down the road with my friend and all I could hear from that point on is Jesus telling me, Floyd, I love you and I want to give you life and I want to give you more abundantly. Floyd, I love you and I care about you and I care what happens to you. See, I want you to know that this morning Jesus is compassionate and Jesus cares about you. And I hope you feel that. I hope you know that. Because again, most of the time, we don't care what people know. We just want to know that people care. And Jesus, he cares. One of my favorite verses comes out of the Gospel of Mark. And I love this. And if you look at it and you look at what's going on around Jesus, it says in Mark 6, verse 34, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And listen to this. And he had compassion on them. I just, I got to imagine what Jesus saw at that moment. I, I just got to wonder the, 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 the people that were there, the hurt, the suffering, the broken, the weak, the strong, the arrogant, the proud. He looked upon them and it says that he had compassion. And this is why. He says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were wayward and they were ignorant. And he did this for them. In that moment, he began to teach them. He began to show them. He began to reveal to them the kingdom of God, the glory, the love, the grace, the mercy, the hope. See, one of the greatest things that you and I can understand about God is that he is a compassionate God. He is a loving and merciful God. And his love is greater 
than you and I could ever comprehend. And his love is for those of us that are weak, that are broken, that are suffering. See, Jesus understands your weakness. He understands my weakness. He loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It only matters that you come. See, Jesus wants you to seek him. He wants you to come and follow him. See, again, Jesus suffered for you. He did it out of compassion. He gave himself so that you could have eternal life, a life more abundant, a life forever in his presence. And John, 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay it down our own lives for our brothers. So I want you to kind of turn and, and look around the room, not just at your spouse or your friend that you brought this morning, but I want you to just kind of turn for a moment. Just, just bear with me. Just do it for me. Just turn and look around the room. I, I want to ask you, you know, what, what do you see? I know it's awkward, but it's good. It's my job to make you feel awkward. What do, you, what do you see? And don't answer out loud because you might offend someone next to you, especially your spouse. Yeah. What do you see? Well, I can tell you what God sees. God sees someone that he created, that he loves, that he cherishes, that, that he made wonderfully and uniquely. I hope you see that. I hope you look around you at all the people and in your heart you have compassion. As you look at the people sitting next to you and in this church and a part of this congregation and you say, hey, you know what? I would be willing to give my life for them, to help them, to know them, to understand them. And I'll do it for the simple fact that Jesus did it for me. That that's why I know love today is because Jesus loved me so much that he died on a cross, that he paid a price so that I could have life and life more abundant. And just out of a, a grateful heart, I'm gonna return that to my brother and my sister, knowing that as I look upon them, that they, yeah, they might be broken and they might have struggles and they might have problems and they might be struggling with things. But you know what? I'm going to love them. I'm going to let them know that I care. See, Jesus did that for you and I. He had to do that for you and I. It was part of God's plan. See, we have to realize that, that we are God's chosen people. You know, God at the very beginning, if we read the Bible, it talks about his chosen people and it talks about the Israelites and how he chose them and he drew them close. He fought for them and he judged them and he did all of these wonderful things to show them and reveal to them the love and the grace and the hope. But then we see the point and the moment where he reaches out to the Gentiles, to the you and I's. And he adopts us into his family. He brings us in through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the sacrifice of his son. He draws us into his presence and he says, I love you and I have chosen you. I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he sees you. And in his heart he mourns. Because he sees the brokenness. 
His heart breaks for us because he knows the hurt and the suffering and the pain and the things that we deal with. But he also rejoices. He also knows that there's a hope that he is offering that if we just accept that hope, that we will receive love and grace and a plan and a purpose and others may see that because of us. So I believe this is why Jesus says this in John 14, 15. He just simply says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Yeah, I don't know this is fact. But I gotta imagine Jesus says that because that's what he did for God on our behalf. He loved God and so he obeyed God. He came and he did what he did out of obedience knowing that there was something that was gonna happen something important. See, we have to understand that that God chose Jesus too. See, in verses three and four of our passage, he had to be chosen by God. It tells us right here. It says, no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So he's given him an example. He says, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. See, we have to realize here God chose Jesus because something had to happen. There had to be an atonement, a price that was paid for sin. And the only one that can do it was the pure and spotless lamb of God. And his name is Jesus, the Christ. And he came to pay a price for you and I. He came to atone for our sins. John 3:16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you see the correlation there from 1 John 3.16? Let me read that again for you. By this we know love, for God so loved the world, that he laid down his life for us. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, God chose Jesus to die for you and I. He did it with a purpose. Jesus understood that part of it. He did it so that we would know him and so that we would love him. I want to ask you this morning another tough question. It's rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hand. Do you love God? Do you love God? I think for me, the, the big question is not only, you know, because it's easy to say, yeah, I, I love God, you know. You know, I loved my mom and dad, but I still did a lot of bad things that hurt them. You know, I still did a lot of bad things that showed them just opposite of what I said. You know, I love my kids, and, and as a parent, I, I've made a lot of mistakes, and, and I haven't really shown them my love in a way that I could have or should have. So yeah, I, I love God. But how do we love God? 
I think that's a better question for us to kind of move towards, to seek after, and to understand is how do we love God? Well, Jesus tells us here, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will obey me. You will listen to me. You will fulfill the plan and the purpose that I have for your life. You will seek and discover the things that I have for you. And you will move in obedience towards those things even when Here's the hard part. Here's the tough part. See, I, I remember as a kid, you know, my mom loved me. She, she just showed me this love that, you know, was, I look back now and I just, I just didn't understand it. I didn't even realize how my mom loved me. I, I think about my, my grandma and my, my wife and, and even though I'm a, I'm a dork and a goofball with my wife, she still loves me. She'll get mad at me and then two seconds later she'll be hugging me and, and just loving me, you know. It's, a, it's this unconditional, doesn't matter kind of love. But do I love them? And how do I love them? How do I show my love for God? And, and I think this is how we move toward that. Is how Jesus moved towards this aspect of being obedient to show his love for God is that in verses 7 and 8, it said that he had to learn through suffering. That's a tough part. That's a hard part because like for me as a kid, using my mom as an example, if I were to show her that I loved her by being obedient to her, then I was going to have to behave in a certain way in front of my friends that in my eyes would bring suffering in my life because they pick on me. They tease me. You know, in my wife, I'd have to behave a certain way around my family and my friends to show my love for her, but that would bring on suffering because in my world, being a macho man, you know, I couldn't be, excuse the term, but whipped by my wife, you know? (laughs) Couldn't have her wrapped, have me wrapped around her finger. That's the world I grew up in. You know, if, 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 I, if I cleaned up for my wife, if I did things to show her I love her that weren't manly, and I suffered for it. I, I kid you not, I'd get ridiculed and harassed and, and teased. And who wants to be teased? I know that's simple and that, that's small in comparison. But, but listen to what it says here in verses 7 and 8. It says, In the days of his flesh, when he was man, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. See, there's this reverence. And although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. See, again, I I don't know why we suffer in this world. Sometimes it's an easy answer. Sometimes it's because I made a mistake or I did something that causes suffering. You know, it's kind of what I like to say in the sense of the controllables and the uncontrollables. There's certain things in life that I can control. Choices that I got to make, that I'm going to make, that I've got to take responsibility for. But yet they're the uncontrollables. You know, there's those things in in this world that I can't control. I can't control you. And so if you do something to harm me or to hurt me, I can't control that. 
See, I don't know why we suffer in the world. But I do know that, that in the midst of that suffering, that in the midst of the hard moments, in the toughest places that we find ourselves in life, I do know that there is a God that loves us and cares for us and wants to hold us and keep us and carry us through those moments. I want you to know that there's a God that loves you and he cares about you. And, and whatever you're dealing with, whatever emotion, whatever you go through in this life, that God will always be there for you. He will always hold you. And your responsibility is just to move to him and learn through those moments. Discover what he has for you in those moments. Because I, I promise you there, there are better days to come. There is hope at the end of the tunnel. You know, and in the very least, if we just claim the hope of Jesus Christ for our lives as we wrestle through these tough moments, as we, we seek to follow and discover everything that Jesus did and everything that he said, and together as a church family, we just huddle in a big circle and we weep and we cry and we give reverence to God. Knowing that he will be the one. Just like it says here, he is the one that is able to save us from death. I, I want to close with this last passage because I, I believe that, that Jesus has proven that he is the Messiah. You know, he is the certified Jesus. He's the Jesus that rules and the Jesus that should rule in our lives no matter whether or not it's a good day or a bad day that we would stand and sing our praises and rejoice in the toughest of moments. Doesn't mean we can't cry. Doesn't mean we can't worry or, or have fear. But it just means in those moments we turn to Jesus. We turn to our God and we say we believe and we trust. And we're going to do the things that you have for us. We're going to live the life that you've called us to live. And we're going to believe and confess with our mouths that you are Lord. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. I love this verse because it's a reminder for me in my life when, when things get tough, when life gets hard, and I feel like I'm suffering in those toughest of moments. If you get a chance this week as you look at Hebrews, I'd encourage you to look at at least 2, 3, and 4 of First Peter, the, those three chapters, because it talks about suffering and why we suffer and why Jesus suffered. But just to close with this this morning as we bow our hearts before our God, in verse 17, chapter 2, or 3, excuse me. I'm sorry, I said 2, didn't I? It's in chapter 3. I apologize for that. I wrote down 2, but it's actually in chapter 3. In verse 17, it says, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. See, Jesus learned through his suffering that in his obedience, you and I, you and I would have a hope. Through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he
he gave us hope. And not only through his death, but through his resurrection. That is the hope that we can stand on. That is the hope that we can turn to. That is the hope that we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we believe in his heart that not only was he resurrected from the dead, but one day you and I will be resurrected if we just believe. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your grace. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the suffering because in the midst of the toughest moments, Father, it's a reminder, it brings us to a place to remind us that we have a hope, that we have the Christ, the anointed one who came, who died so that we can have this hope, even in the toughest moments of life, even when the world is falling all around us, that we have a hope. Father, my prayer for, for each and every one of us here this morning, including myself, is in those tough moments, in the moments that we suffer, that we would always seek to be obedient, to honor you, to glorify you, because it is better to suffer for doing what is right than to suffer for doing what is wrong. Lord Jesus suffered for what is right. He suffered so we could have righteousness. Our righteousness is found in him. So Lord, this morning as we worship you, as we sing this last song, we seek your righteousness. We seek your hope. We seek your glory. We love you and we praise you. We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.